Hey everyone, today's episode of Product Explained is brought to you by Exponent. Interested in pursuing a career in tech? Exponent can help you with coaching, courses, and community for aspiring young professionals. Check out Exponent today at www.tryexponent.com. Welcome to our show, Product Explain, where we talk about different companies and apps and products that we like to uh, dive deep into and review, talk about their history, and uh, give a little insight as to why they're interesting and unique. Um, I'm your first host of the day, Jeff Lee. Hey, everyone. This is Mike Alcazarin. And today we're talking about uh, probably a company or I guess a product that many of you are probably familiar with, especially with during COVID. Um, you probably spent a lot of time on this platform. Uh, and today we're talking about Netflix. This is definitely an exciting one for me. Um, you know, just being one of those products that you've used from the start, I'm really excited to just you know, really dive into it today. Yeah, and especially because like I think everybody at this point either has a Netflix account or is bumming a Netflix account. So <laughs> Most definitely. I'm, I'm in the latter category and I was for a long time. Um, you know, Netflix, if you're listening, you can sponsor me and I won't have to bum it anymore. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, Mike, why don't you uh, kick it off and maybe for the people that don't know what Netflix is, talk about, uh, you know, what the product is and what it has to offer. So for those of you who aren't bumming a Netflix account or paying for your own, um, or sharing one, uh, what Netflix is, it's a video on demand service. So you pay a monthly subscription and you get access to different streaming video on the device of your choice. Um, Netflix has, you know, a massive library of content, uh, both some of their own content as well as other content that they um, they license out. And they have three different price points that you can come in at. So they have their base level of $9 a month for streaming um, at one screen with standard definition, uh, 13 bucks if you want to upgrade to two screens, and then $16 for two screens as well as HD plus ultra Um so yeah, that's that's what Netflix is in, in a nutshell. And it's definitely grown as a product since when it first came out. I want to talk about the pricing model. So like, I think you'll see a lot of companies offer this like three-tiered pricing model. And it's that old school, I think McDonald's is one of the most famous one where they offer three sizes of fries. And uh, you kind of always think about um, either one, like the middle size is always the best, or it's always this, oh, it's only 20 cents more kind of, kind of deal um, where, where the pricing gets better as you go. So uh, you know, Mike even talked about the pricing here. So it's nine dollars, and then thirteen, and then sixteen. So a four dollar bump and a three dollar bump. So you, every every tier, you're always thinking about, well, if I just pay a little bit more, it's more worth it, right? Um, so I, I I just want to talk about that briefly because I think that's going to be a pricing strategy that we see a lot of um, you know subscription type services do. Um, but yeah, talking about the product. So Netflix is one of those companies that when you think about it. You probably remember them as a um, a company that really blossomed after the last housing marketing crash. So basically, after that two thousand eight crash, I I personally remember them most as being one of those uh, I guess unicorn companies that really emerged from the two thousand eight to two thousand twelve timeframe. Uh, but really, their history stems much much earlier than that. Um, so the founders are were Mark Randolph and Reed Hastings. They had actually started another company and sold successfully um, in Silicon Valley in the late nineties. And what was really interesting about them was I think they had the largest acquisition at the time, which is I think a couple hundred million, which is funny now, you know, it seems like chump change in today's day and age um, for tech companies. 
Um, but they actually wanted to model off Amazon and try their hand at um, a, another e-commerce business. So they wanted to try to sell some sort of portable items. And um, I don't know what the age range of our listeners at home are going to be, but originally they were trying to sell VHSs and try to take on kind of the Blockbuster. They probably don't even know what Blockbuster is. But, <laughs> um, you know, VHSs were, you know, the old school media format for video. So before DVDs, and, you know, DVDs are still around. They've actually been around for quite a long time now, but... Uh, VHSs were actually too delicate to kind of send through the mail and sell online. Um, and they didn't feel like the business model was viable. DVDs kind of became uh, really popular in, in the late 90s. And they actually tried sending DVDs through the mail. So people at home probably all know what DVDs are. But, you know, just imagine, you know, being able to mail a CD is pretty easy. And the precursor to that was a VHS, which is probably really hard to mail without it getting crushed or crunched or anything like that. Yeah, the plastic on the VHS tapes were just so brittle. I can't imagine sending one. Yeah, I've broken plenty of VHSs. Definitely. Even just putting it into like the the rewinding unit or the rewinder. You know, I think we had a little like uh, fake Corvette that you used to put it into and it would always get like, always get broke. (laughs) Like no no matter how careful we were with it. Oh, I totally forgot. Yeah, so the people listening at home... Um, before all this digital media and even before DVDs, this tape was only, it's kind of a linear thing and you had to rewind it. And, uh, most of the fancy tape recorders you could rewind, but I think, um, before that you had to like either manually rewind it with like a pen or you put it into a dedicated rewinder. So as you can imagine your house, um, today you just have a TV on the wall with maybe like Chromecast, even if that, you know, a lot of them are built in now, but back in the day you had like 15 different physical components to your home entertainment system if you were fortunate enough to have them it's so clean now it's just one streaming box one box on a screen wall. yeah and a screen that's it pretty soon it'll be hollow projectors but who and then netflix will go out of business but who knows um but yeah like i think so at the time vhs's were a big thing and then there was a company most of you hopefully know what it is but uh there was a company around called blockbuster and there was also another company called hollywood video and they're basically a rental um company so you can go to that store uh, pick out from a limited selection of, of movies that were on these VHSs. You were able to um, take them home and rent them for some certain time. So Netflix was actually aiming to uh, take on this industry, which at the time was a $16 billion industry. And they figured that they could send DVDs through the mail and kind of cut out the storefront model. And the story goes when they were talking to investors that they were saying, oh, we wanted to start the company because we were sick of racking up a $40 late fee for renting a copy of Apollo 13, which I think is really funny. Um, that story was later on debunked, uh, but I think it's a really good story that kind of sticks in the mind of people like, because they can empathize with it. I think totally. Uh, Mike, I don't know about you, but I can't count the number of times where we had to rush to return DVDs or VHSs because um, of the fear of this late fee, right? This idea of a late fee. Like returning books is even kind of similar. Like libraries Definitely. are still around, thank God. But um, but just that anxiety of going into Blockbuster of like, let's say it was like a three-day rental and it's Monday right after work and your dad's like, hey, we have to go to Blockbuster and return this thing because yeah. I don't want this $10, $15, $20 fee. But something that I think is is lost on that experience is just I have so many fond memories of all of my siblings and I going with my dad after, yeah, going after after he came home on a Friday night and we pick out a couple uh, VHS rentals, which I feel so dated just to saying that, but um, we'd we'd each get like one piece of candy and we'd we'd go there. And now like, it's just like, we're sitting on the couch just looking for something to watch. But hey, you want to watch this? We go, I guess so. You know, it's, but it's not this thing. The illusion of choice, right? Like, I think that's what's crazy. Um, 
Yeah. So back in the day, I remember like we, you know, you were lucky if that blockbuster had like more than two copies of a movie. And I remember when Pokemon came out, they would have like each VHS would only house like three episodes, maybe five episodes. And you would go and you'd like rent one of them. Or if you knew you were going to binge, you'd rent like two or three of them at a time. I think it was like $5 a rental. Um, and then go home and watch it. But there'd be times where you would go and then those three episodes weren't available. So you'd have to like maybe come back next time and just hope that it was there. And or skip a few, go out of order, you know? Yeah, it's- exactly. So like, you, you know, that's, that's insane now to think about that. But, um, so, so Netflix aimed to tackle on this business model. Um, and they actually started their subscription model uh, business in 1999 and funnily enough, Blockbuster offered to acquire them for $50 million and tried to turn them into Blockbuster.com. They were kind of trying to get in on the, the booming uh, .com industry. But after 9-11 happened, uh, the bubble burst and uh, it didn't really do so well for a lot of fledgling internet companies. So they, they basically had to go back to the drawing board to figure out um, how they would sustain their business. And funnily enough, Netflix had thought about building an actual hardware piece that you would have and it would just on the side download movies overnight. And then the next day you'd be able to play it. And I don't think very many people know this about Netflix. Um, I don't even know actually, about that. That's amazing. Yeah, they actually tried their hand at um, creating a physical product dedicated to movies. It's kind of like this movie box. And it would literally spend all night and probably eat up all of your bandwidth downloading one movie that you can watch. And you better hope that movie was good. Because imagine <laughs> um, imagine like downloading The Room or something on Netflix. And then like, and then you know, spending all night downloading it and being excited to watch it. And then you go to turn it on and the movie is like, absolutely terrible and then you're like well i have to watch it because otherwise <laughs> i have to wait a whole nother night to watch something else right because we, we can't avoid the sunk cost fallacy it, yeah that's super interesting because like you know back in the day most people had you know 56k modems so you're literally plugging your phone line in to to download the movie you know at this point because i don't know if broadband at that point you know early 2000s was super like we didn't get think- at my house until i think 2004 like we yeah, were... I think like DSL was like maybe er, like early 2000s, like definitely not 2001 or 1999. But yeah, like maybe like 2005, 2006 or something, you started to see people get like DSL and stuff like that more consistently. So I can't imagine um, just the disappointment of not having any phone calls for that entire like overnight, you know, just the panic of yeah. like, what, if I, what if there's an emergency? Like I can't, I'm downloading the room. So, you know, it's like... I think it's insane because um, so I remember that there was a time where you could get like satellite internet before the other internet providers were becoming popular. It's not like today where you can go basically anywhere, most places in the country and get like Comcast or AT&T or your local ISP and get a pretty strong signal, even if it's not super fast. But I remember back then, like we would have a ton of trouble with our AT&T or Comcast connection. And we looked into satellite internet and satellite internet was saying, oh, well, we provide the industry average and they mostly provide it for like farmland, like basically mm-hmm. remote areas. And I think they were offering at like five megabits a second or something like that. It was like crazy slow or maybe 50. I don't know. It was like insanely slow. But they but they based, but the, what I took away from that was the country average speed was that speed. And it was yeah. like, how do people, you know, because I think at that time, like maybe 80% of the country didn't have internet, you know, like at all. And um, it wasn't a thing. And now you're starting to get better coverage. And obviously cell phones have, have kind of filled that gap. But even now your cell phone gets like some pretty significant speeds, right? Yeah. So. Oh, I think like what you're hitting on is like, is perfect for like what Netflix was trying to do. I mean, at the end of the day, and this is what they're doing now is they wanted to get content to customers. So yeah, at the time it was much easier 
to ship, you know, whatever the DVD holds, I think 2.4 gigabytes um, via the physical mail than mm-hmm. it was to just have it over the internet, which is like wild to me, but now it's, it's, it's so true. And it was just kind of a data transmission pro- like problem to, to yeah. connect with customers. Yeah, and like I think what's really, really interesting about this advent of Netflix is like this idea of on-demand. When you probably looked at technology magazines in the 60s, they talked about this on-demand thing where you'd press a button and food would materialize or things like that. Um, But this is the first time you're seeing like true on-demand where you can really get it at your fingertips. And now you talk about like Amazon delivery is as close to on-demand as you can probably get before people start having 3D printers in their homes that are printing <laughs> stuff. You know, that's probably a way in the future. Um, people are talking about getting car deliveries on demand. I think there's been discussions about when you buy a Tesla, you can press a button, the Tesla comes to your house. Um, yeah. And you're talking about food delivery services like DoorDash and that that level of on-demand. But I mean, this is the, the truest form of on-demand where you can get it instantly. Um, and get content and um, from anywhere you want to from anywhere you want to yeah content and product instantly right and so I think that's where Netflix is I think a pioneer in that space yeah Um, and to to touch more on that like what you were saying with mm -hmm. all this content um, I think that you know something I really want to touch on is just like the the video algorithm because Netflix has so much content and how like if you have everything on demand how do you get through it yeah yeah, that's a good point. So like Blockbuster didn't have this problem because it, it could take you a long time to go through the store. But probably as a kid, I was like kind of focused on one small section of the store, oh, like yeah. a category. Totally. I, yeah, obviously, I wasn't sneaking over there to look at like the adult stuff or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, but, it's like- um, all I cared about was like Digimon and Pokemon when I was like seven and eight. Um, but yeah, so you only had to look through like maybe 20 to 50 videos at a time. But now, like you mentioned earlier, you have this problem of like, what do I watch? And um, I think what was really interesting was uh, this idea of a video recommendation algorithm. And I think Netflix has done a really great job of saying, here's what we recommend for you. And a similar algorithm could be applied to like many different things now. Like you think about Spotify and how they have tackled this thing about like, what, what I listen to or like totally. YouTube algorithms and people going down the rabbit hole and all of a sudden it's 5 a.m. and you're watching your you sixth know, ASMR how- video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're watching a sixth AMS- ASMR video or you're trying to figure out how do I hurricane proof my house but I live in the desert and like you're just like <laughs> watching some random stuff. But, you know, but you're hooked. You're in. You, you but, keep yeah, watching. exactly. It's addictive, right? And so I think that's where um, it made Netflix really, really popular as Netflix started to offer more and their VOD service, their video library started to expand. Um, they started to develop their own individual content, which I think is what Netflix is known for now. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about Netflix originals and how those are um, starting to become really, really high quality. It started with just small shows and they've kind of expanded into full movies that are on Netflix now. I primarily watch Netflix for a lot of their documentaries. They have like a really great library of documentaries. Definitely. I feel like Netflix has done a great job with documentaries. Netflix is probably in every home in some way, shape, or form, or Netflix competitor. Some other things to kind of talk, touch on before we move on to the next section is Netflix in social media and culture. I think most of our listeners have probably heard of Netflix and Chill. Netflix and Chill became a really big meme in 2015. And if you're unaware, Netflix and Chill basically meant the euphemism for inviting somebody that you were dating over to have... Um, uh, nighttime specials <laughs> uh, or happy time. So yeah, so basically um, 
that became a really big meme and that coincided with the era of digital dating, which we'll probably touch on, I'm sure, in another episode uh, with one of the many different dating apps. But I think that it's really funny that you kind of have this collision of two industries in a peak of time, along with the idea of the cultural significance of memeing. Um, and then now today, uh, the current market cap for, for Netflix is uh, $211 billion. So when you talk about Netflix, it's got lumped into kind of the big companies of the era, the, the blue chip companies. It's even part of an acronym, you know, like the It's FANG. part of an acronym, yeah, the yeah. FANG acronym. But for those of you that are um, unacquainted, FANG is uh, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. And some of them will say FANG moolah and they'll start adding other ones in there. But most people talk about FANG. Yeah, so I love thinking about like customer segments and like who are the target customers Netflix is going after. And when I sat down to think about this, it's, it's really for everyone. And I think the beauty of Netflix is the personalization that it offers where you can have content that's super focused on let's say for 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 children like kid shows all the way to someone that loves anime to someone that's just super into documentaries and you can choose your own adventure so netflix just has this beautiful way of just segmenting the market and you know something you said with like the netflix original content i don't remember what i was watching but my fiance had something on and I thought it was a Hallmark movie because it was so low production quality. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you watching? She's like, oh, it's a new Netflix romantic comedy. I'm like, you've been segmented. Like they know exactly yeah. the content that you yeah. love. Um, so I just think that's like super interesting how they're able to create that. Not only like surface the content to you, but because you're watching this and feeding that algorithm, they're able to create that content for you. Yeah, you as a user become more valuable to them the longer you use the product, right? And obviously the fact that more people use the product, it becomes more valuable, but you specifically, Netflix, when you first start watching it, if you've never used any um, other video on demand system, it's probably just okay. Like it probably recommends to you some generic stuff based on some answers that you've given it. But based on what you're browsing and what you're selecting and kind of your behavior, they start to dial in, which is kind of scary, but like a lot of a lot of other addicting social products now, they start to dial in on what you like, um, how much of it you like, and uh, some things to recommend to you. So you just start binge watching, <laughs> and uh, that that's just something that they they kind of do, and and that they're really really good at. But I think strategically, it's really interesting from a product perspective, right? How do we completely customize and personalize our product such that only you are going to get this experience, and it's catered to you, and you're not going to be able to get this exact same thing somewhere else? Totally, for sure. Um, Kevin Kelly has a really good book. Um, Kevin Kelly's a, a, a tech blogger, a tech writer. And one of his book is like the, I'm going to butcher it. I'll, I'll post this in the show notes, but I think it's the 12 technologies that will change the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of them is, uh, is, is filtering is going to be massive and just being, able, there's so much content out there. How do you filter yeah. through it? And I think right. Netflix has been on the, you know, the leading edge of this for, for so long with their, with their content. Um, but you can't deny that it's working. I know that Netflix has one of the world's largest subscription bases. They have over 180 million subscribers mm-hmm. worldwide, which definitely blows my mind at where you think like, I mean, the U.S. is 300 million people. So and 70 million uh, folks are um, U.S. Netflix subscribers. So just seeing how much they've grown internationally is super interesting as well, where their customer base isn't just for like English speaking um, customers, but also you know, Spanish speaking, Portuguese speaking, um, all these different segments. So it's just super interesting for the content perspective. Like how do you manage the budget for, you know, understanding, Hey, like, should we make a bunch of, um, English first content or let's do a a Spanish focused content, like a show like Narcos where it's, you know, spoken in Spanish and it's English subtitles. I love the show. Um, I'm sure it's a huge growth driver in, 
you know, in Mexico, any Spanish speaking co- country, like, you know, um, Colombia, Mexico, like wherever they're, wherever they're headed to next. But I, I just think it's super interesting how they've been able to grow and scale this repeatedly to, to new countries and also keep adding content. I'm curious on when that content becomes overwhelming for them to create and how big they can keep getting. And maybe you'll just eventually start having these super shows where it's like maybe a mix of languages or it's looping everything in. But yeah, it's just been fascinating to, to, to see that growth. Yeah, like I want to touch a little bit about, um, you know, you kind of mentioned that there's other countries and there will be times where they are showing a series um, in another segment of the world. I, I know a specific example, they were showing Avatar um, and I wanted to watch Avatar uh, and they were showing it specifically, I think, in the Asia market or Hong Kong market. And I wanted to watch it so badly that I really considered getting a VPN for it. So <laughs> I think what you're mentioning is that there's this kind of overwhelming thing of content. Part of um, keeping things fresh might be limiting some of the content so that it becomes, I guess, more valuable in a way. Um because, totally. You know, if you can't get it all the time and Netflix does this, you know, they, they do cycle through their content and it's not like you can get everything at all times. They will. I think they get an agreement to host a video or some uh, some series sometimes and then it goes away and new stuff comes in. So it does keep it fresh. And I think that's one way that they're gating how much content is out there and available. Totally. And I think another thing with the content is, um, you know, I think maybe three, four years ago, a huge topic was just cord cutting. So just removing yeah. your cable subscription right. because cable is essentially just bundled channels where you probably only watch like three, four or five channels. Like, yeah, um, you're paying for a lot that you don't use. Yeah, exactly. And with Netflix, like I think the beauty of it is, Hey, I, I can pay for only the things that, that I want, but now it's almost that because of the, the competition that's out there, like be it your Disney plus or Hulu or HBO or Amazon prime video, it's almost like you're in a cable like situation where you have to pay for the Netflix channel that has exclusive content. But if you want to watch like your Game of Thrones, like you got to go to HBO um, to, to find that. So I think that's super fascinating where we're kind of like we unpacked it for a little while where Netflix was purchasing and licensing content from other people. But now um, we're almost in the ba- same battle. Kind of back where, to square one. Yeah, exactly. Where we have this massive like uh, like eight dollars a month, nine dollars a month subscription for 10 services. So we're just paying for cable. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad that you kind of mentioned some of the competitors. And so I'd love to touch on that. I think, um, you know, where you're starting to see some different people um, or different competitors start to do slightly different things. So I think where YouTube is really interesting is that they have a creator user base, right? Like the the difference between Netflix and YouTube primarily is that a lot of the content is user driven. And so you or I could create a video and upload it to YouTube and just hope that it does well. Um, or we can, you know, pay to push ads towards it and um, get some marketing and, and drive traffic. Um, but that's not the case with Netflix, right? You wouldn't be able to just create like a home video and put it on Netflix and hope <laughs> somebody found it. And I think it's kind of funny to think of that, about, about that way. Um, so there is some slight differences in how, um, they're kind of approaching the strategy. I think similarly with like, for example, HBO go something that I, and you, and I'm sure, you know, as well, it's an avid football watcher is it's hard to when you cable cut hard to get sports, right? Definitely. I feel like you have to find games. Games are segmented by different markets. Um, I live on the West Coast now, but um, I went to school in the East Coast. Um, and when I try to watch my college football team or my home football team, I have to go through different um, competitors and channels to potentially watch my the games I want to watch. And so it's really difficult for someone like me where I can't just pay for the local you know, package, uh, streaming package, 
because my teams aren't local, right? And so I think as you see people start to decentralize and move move about the U.S., like that problem is going to become more exacerbated. Um, and there are going to be a lot more people that are having that same issue. But I mean, that's where now you see companies like Hulu, you and I both know the, the pitch line, but now it's Hulu has live sports. And <laughs> exactly. So, I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. So they all, that's the thing they have, they've kind of cornered that market and they're saying Hulu has live sports. I mean, Amazon Prime Video, they were offering Thursday night football and I think they're only doing Thursday night football, but they're offering Thursday night football. And the nice thing about Prime Video is that you get it when you already have an Amazon Prime account. So they're already kind of bringing in users into the platform. Are they going to change that up later and charge it separately? Maybe. But I mean, I, th- I think it's a good strategy to start opening up that funnel. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I think like with all the competitors, it's so interesting how they all like, you know, their, their go-to-market strategy. I mean, yeah. like Netflix was just this whole like evolving, like, hey, like we're going to do DVDs first and then we can do streaming and, and, and get there. And it just kind of evolved naturally. Now you have like an, uh, someone coming in like a Disney Plus where their go-to-market strategy was kind of brilliant. It was like right around Christmas time. They had a big anchor show with the Mandalorian and they made it free for all Verizon customers. So it's like, Hey, like I already have it because I'm a Verizon customer. I can just go with it. And like you mentioned with Amazon prime video, it's I'm already subscribing to prime. So I have this already. So yeah, that's super interesting. I think same thing with HBO Go. Like Disney Plus and HBO Go are really similar to me. They The weight of their offering um, or their biggest value proposition is the, the content, right? So Disney Plus is like, hey, we have all these Disney movies. Um, plus, we now own like all the Avengers movies, all the Star Wars movies. Like we have some pretty big heavy hitting titles that you're not going to get anywhere else. So you kind of have to come and pay for us. So like basically, if you are a family that has any children, you have to pretty much subscribe to Disney Plus. Like they're not going to watch anything on um on on netflix or anything yeah. and then same thing with hbo <laughs> off go, brand like, adventures <laughs> yeah exactly or like hbo go their whole thing for a long time was game of thrones um mm-hmm. and they're trying to kind of hang their hat on westworld and some of these other titles but i think hbo go to me has fallen off a little bit because game of thrones is now done yep um and i you know i don't even know of any shows that i watch on hbo go but like they they literally had one show the flagship show carrying their subscription service and i'm really curious to see how that's kind of fallen off since since Game of Thrones has ended. Um, but yeah, I think it really interesting how each each competitor offers something a little bit different. And at the end of the day, it's us as users trying to decide what's worth paying for and kind of this dink and dunk of paying $9 here and $9 there. And all of a sudden now I'm paying 50 bucks for all these different subscription services. But Totally. And, um, and, and bumming from friends. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see like, like what the future holds. Like, I, I'd love to see like what happens with just new as new technologies come out, and um, also just I mean, with COVID, people have just been at home watching more content. There's more eyeballs on screens. Yeah. Um, and if they were able to sustain that that type of growth, and 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 the last thing I'll say with with this before we move on to our uh, our reviews is you know talking about um, what's going to happen in 2021 with you know there was a huge pause in content creation from all of these companies. Yeah. And so is there going to be a lag of when they're, when things are coming out? I know like Amazon prime video, for example, with the boys, they're actually holding a show or releasing a new episode of that show every single Friday. So you can't get all of the content at once and binge it mm-hmm. like, like you normally yeah. would. Yeah. Um, they don't do like a batch release. I've noticed that some content creators are filming, but they're doing regular COVID testing. I don't know if they're doing a complete bubble, but I know that they're doing like weekly COVID testing. So they're trying to figure out a way to still create content. Because yeah, if you have a lull in content, I mean, you miss a whole season of shows. That's that's like a ton of money. Also, what's kind of interesting is like how it affects like Oscar season, which is something completely non non related to a tech show like ours. But 
I've noticed that there were a lot of videos or movies that held off. Um, they have held off before in releasing because of how it affects Oscar season. Um, so I think that's kind of another interesting impact that it's had. But yeah, I think we should uh, we can probably move on to our thoughts here. Yeah, I can kick it off. So, okay. um, you know, we love to give our five star reviews of what we thought the uh, what we think of the product. So I, I would give Netflix, you know, I'm, I'm going to say like a four and a quarter, 4.25 stars. You know, it doesn't get like the full five stars for me. It might have like when it first came out six years ago. But I think there's a, a lot of competition in the market. Um, I wasn't super happy with the price increase because I'm the primary payer. You're the one paying account. for it. Everyone's exactly. Off you. Yeah. Um, hopefully my sisters are watching and they can uh, <laughs> start contributing. But um, but yeah, no, I, I think that um, it doesn't. I really like the product market fit. You know, like you mentioned, like I'm very much into the documentaries. I love a lot of their original content they they create. I think that there's like a lot of like places to grow and interesting new places to go like in it, to investigate for Netflix. So I'm excited for the future. But um, yeah, overall, 4.25. Uh, I think what would, what's preventing it from being a five star product for me would be um, I don't actually I don't even know what's preventing it from being a five star product for me. I think it's because it doesn't know what you want before you know it. That's why. <laughs> exactly. It can't minority report my thoughts yet. I think it's hard to get a five on our show. I, I'm going to say that I'm going to really reserve the five stars for probably a few products. And I don't. Yeah, maybe I'll even just give it a four point nine. So I always have I think by principle, I don't think I can get a five <laughs> in the show. A true product manager. It's exactly. Not good it's not it's never good enough. It's always iterative. Um, I, I'm going to give a similar score. Um, I'm going to give it a four and a half. The way I see it is if I had to choose one um, of the streaming services, I think I would probably choose Netflix first. Um, I think second now would be Disney Plus um, because they have a lot of the other content that I watch. And this is the I way. Think, I think this is the way. And I think a lot of the other um, competitors, like we have just by circumstance or like, you know, my wife wa- watches um, This Is Us and it's a Hulu exclusive. So she pays literally for just This Is Us. And we kind of <laughs> get Amazon Prime um, video because we have an Amazon Prime account. But I think in general, um, if I had to choose one, it would be Netflix. They, they to me, seem like they have the biggest um, library. It seems to me that I watched Netflix the most already. Um, and I could probably live without some of the other ones. I think the price point is actually really good. I, you know, I think it's hard to argue with paying for if you're a single household and you're buying it for yourself, paying for anywhere from nine to 15 bucks a month for unlimited content. You know, I think as a college kid, you kind of think like, oh, man, it's kind of a lot. But, um, you know, like you mentioned earlier, you can you can share screens with a lot of people. And I think a lot of people do that. Um, Netflix doesn't hasn't really cracked down and policed it very much, I think, and probably to their benefit. But the nice thing is you can get X amount of screens and you pay like, what, 16 bucks a month or 20 something bucks a month and split it four ways. And it's really not that bad, you know people always use cup of coffee as a measuring stick and i kind of hate that but um you know for the price of two cups of coffee you can get um unlimited movies per month but yeah i think um well worth the money i'm like really happy paying for that subscription i really don't mind i'd rather do that than waste my money on other stuff um like fantasy football which i always lose but <laughs> like i think if you think about it that way like you know you spend 50 bucks a year on entertainment which is like two movie tickets or sorry three or four movie tickets or one um, popcorn or one one large popcorn which you're only going to eat a quarter of uh, but if you think about it that way like, it's really worth the money right um you know and a lot of times now if it's a netflix exclusive you get it on release so you don't have to like go to the movies to see it or anything like that so i think that's what's really cool about netflix um and i think what's holding it back for me that little half star is that there is some content that's on the other platforms but it's not that much 
Um, so I'm, again, I'm pretty happy with it. I think it, it, it found its niche, it fit its market, and it's doing what it's doing really, really well. Um, I don't really see anything stopping Netflix in the next five to 10 years. Totally. And and just to, now I'm thinking of like what I, like what is preventing me from giving me that, you know, five star or 4.9 yeah. star review. And it's, for me, it's just none of like the original content has really 100% knocked it out of the park for me. Yeah. Um, especially with their movies. So that's, just, I think, I think that's what's holding it back. I'll have to find some, cause I think there has been some really good uh, original stuff, but maybe we'll talk offline about it. Cool. So th- those are our thoughts. Um, but we'd love to hear from you guys as show listeners, tell us more about what you'd like and think about Netflix. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, if you feel like Netflix can be doing better in certain areas or, or certain things. And if you if you like the show, uh, subscribe on your favorite media platforms, be it Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Um, and as always, let us know what you think we should review next. But we'll see you next episode. See you next time, guys.